0: Episode 11 is a cracker, as I was privileged and honoured to speak with a pioneer slash trailblazer for football in this country and our Illawarra region. The interviewee only had two years of junior soccer in the early 1970s when she was 10 and 11. After a few years off due to girls not being allowed to play in their teenage years, Julie Porter burst onto the Australian women's soccer scene in the late 1970s, firstly with the Eye Thunderbirds. Her talent and work ethic then took her into regional teams, state teams and the Australian women's national team. She is a talented soccer player slash coach, but above this, she has great respect of where she came from and who supported her throughout her magnificent career. Humble and articulate, Julie is a soccer person who deserves more recognition about her journey, as do the rest of her peers from the late 1970s and 1980s, as these women gave so much to Australian women's soccer in its infancy, which ultimately gave the sport great foundations in this country. I apologise if at times the interview sounds disjointed. This was solely my fault. Due to technical and research issues Regardless, Julie's journey shines through And was a great pleasure to record Please enjoy Well, Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast I'm here in the leafy surrounds of Ferry Meadow And I'm very honoured and privileged to have uh, in front of me for this interview Julie Porter. Julie, welcome. Thank you,
1: Travis. Great to be here.
0: Julie, I guess, uh, firstly and and foremostly, I I was really excited when um, I got the the chance to, I guess, first message you on Facebook uh, when I uh, put one of the pictures of yourself, uh, a front page picture. In, from '73, from the Illawarra Mercury, um, when you're you're playing three lots of sports and and being on the front page, and um, and, and I'm assuming that you were um, maybe proud, uh, maybe slightly embarrassed, and then from there, um, in my uh, hours of research, um, in newspaper articles and other clippings I get off people, I found a lot more information about you. Um, probably not enough, um, in my mind, but. Um, it was just a great story that I thought needed to be told, and then, and now I'm here. I'm uh, mm. as people can probably tell, I'm I'm very excited. But we'll start at at the beginning for your um, your soccer journey. You grew up in Thrul or Buli, is yeah, that right?
1: Grew up in Thrul, yeah, yeah, and um, played a lot of backyard sport with uh, local boys and yep. and a man named Mister Gilmore. From Austin Mere, noticed me at training with my brother's team one time and said about allowing me to play um, with the boys, which was totally politically incorrect at the time. And there are a few what we call wowsers that <laughs> weren't particularly happy with the idea, but thanks to Mr. Gilmore, that's where it all started.
0: And so we're talking then in sort of early 70s, 72? 72, 73, thereabouts, yeah. And that was with the Thrill Junior Soccer Club? Yes, it was. And I guess uh, for most people, um, there is, uh, you know, um, I guess 20 to 60 people listening, so most of them are intelligent enough to know, um, when you use the term wows, or what we mean, um, <laughs> but it wasn't the uh, done thing back then for... Oh, absolutely not, for, no. ...for girls to uh, play soccer or football with the boys. Not at all, not at all. But for you, um, growing up playing around the streets and whatnot, for you, it just it was water off a duck's back you were just now playing with a thrill shirt on and playing in an organised game Yeah,
1: yeah. it was, um, you know, as it turned out to be a blessing but um, very fortunate to have have the kids in the neighbourhood who turned out to be excellent sports people themselves I must say And so
0: that um, first year um, uh, playing with the boys um, you would have just thought it was normal? an extension of the street street games that you were playing and, and you would have been I guess part of a competition um, and uh, a gala days and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. Yeah. It um, To
1: me it was completely normal. Obviously, uh, you yep. know, nine, ten years of age, yeah that's what I knew and it was a matter of yeah, having the Therule shirt on and being more than proud, more than proud.
0: And where did uh, Therule play at that stage and what colours were they playing in?
1: Uh, we played in blue and white. And we played at um, Thomas Gibson Park in Thoreau.
0: And Thoreau's got a a, a very uh, historic uh, name in the region, um, juniors and seniors, so uh, uh, what a start. So you played there um, sort of under 10s, 11s and whatnot? Well,
1: yeah, it was um, just the one, two seasons, I believe, in the organised competition and a couple of gala days and um, I had played netball up yep. um, To that point, and continued to play netball, and because uh, there was no women's soccer organised at all, there was none in the high schools. Which, when I went to high school, it was netball, softball, yep, anything but soccer, <laughs> and football and cricket.
0: So then, after those two seasons, you then had, I guess, a, a few years off before you yes. joined the Eye Thunderbirds, in, which was an open women's competition, yes. and and I think that was the first organised women's competition in the Illawarra that started in 78? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. And so how did that come about that you know, you'd know you been away from the sport for a few years, how did, did uh, someone get you back into it? Yes,
1: yes. A, a girlfriend of mine, old, old friend, um, Leona Vitney, her father um, came and picked us up and said there was some women's soccer training happening at Hutton Park at Bulleye. Yep. Did we want to go? Yes, of course. So off we went and that's how it started and uh, Mr Max Shaw was there as the coach and that
0: was it and it went from there and did the the Eye Thunderbirds play in the the blue and white that the, the no, men's team played um, or what colours were the Eye Thunderbirds
1: um, at that stage yes we did play in blue and white yep. um, but we had our own separate sponsor who was the Austin Mare Driving School Ooh. yes um, um, we were the first team outfitted in tracksuits and looked very professional and Honestly, we weren't a bad team. We were a pretty good team well, for those for those days. Yeah, and
0: I think in the three seasons you were there, you won the league three times.
1: Uh, we were beaten the first year. Yeah. Um, uh, One nil in in the grand final by Huskisson, who were yeah. in the competition then. And the next year, so the next few years, we won everything on offer.
0: And then you've won the league as well. Yeah. yeah. So those, um, I guess, uh, people uh, and you've heard the term, and we'll get onto your um, representation of your country, um, about being a trailblazer or a pioneer. But um, those those teams, um, can you name some of the other teams that were in those initial those inaugural years of oh, the yeah, comp starting? Yeah. You talked about Buli Huskisson. Um, yeah, there were Buli
1: uh, Fernhill, uh, Vulcans. Oak that was Yundarra, wasn't it? Yundarra. Uh, were in, yeah, yeah. and Huskisson, as I say. Um, just about all the major clubs uh, yep. were represented, and and often they had two teams. Okay. So I think in the second, I think in 1979 they split the competition into a first and a second division
0: tier. And so, for you, after a, a few years off, and and not really playing, um, and I guess their formative years, did it take you a while to get back into it, or or was it just like you'd never uh, stop playing?
1: It was like I'd
0: never stopped playing.
1: You. you Truly, You know, I'm not being big-headed about no. that at all. And I was really fortunate, as I say, to have some really good girls around me, and the coach was fantastic. So He, um, he pushed my barrow a lot.
0: And so let's talk about some of those players that you played with at Bulleye in those three years. Um, what position did you play, and, and what were some of the other girls that you can remember, and where did they play?
1: Well, mostly I played striker, yep. just out-and-out striker. Um Probably too lazy to play anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, uh, most of the girls, Janet Pengelly was a great goalkeeper. Jennifer Shaw, I, I personally think, um, could have represented Australia, was just not given the, the chances and coaches didn't see what we saw. Uh, Sharon Smith went uh, on to play for New South Wales, uh, was picked in the Australian side, but unfortunately had to pull out because she was pregnant. With her first child at the time, so that was unfortunate. Michelle Warburton was another girl who was quite brilliant, I thought. Uh, but there, there were a number of girls in that era that I thought were, were
0: quite good. Well, I guess when you win a couple of grand finals and you win the league two or three times, it's it's not just one person. No, you absolutely know, it, not. Absolutely It's the not. whole team.
1: It's a team game.
0: And and in this time as well, um, you know, your reintroduction in those three years of senior football, you uh, were representing the Illawarra and and the state as well?
1: Yes, um, had been picked in the state side in 1980 for the first time. And so
0: what were your thoughts then about being picked in a a representative team?
1: Um, I probably didn't grasp how huge it was at the time, but um, I had realised that there was a a bit of a pathway to, to do something with it. Um, but ha- had always been very thankful for where I came from, and 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 it wasn't my doing that I yeah. got to be in these statesides at all, at all. Any of the rep teams um, can be directly attributed to most of the
0: coaches I had. now yeah. So, uh, well, I think you're being a bit humble there, but that that's that's fine. Though back then, um, and and some people have sort of our vintage would be aware that representative football state versus state was a common thing whereas now you've got state league um, you've got sort of other pathways that meant state versus state apart from maybe at high schools I could be wrong um, doesn't really happen as much anymore so to be part of a state team back then it was a big thing wasn't it oh
1: massive massive that was um uh your grassroots you, you played in your local rep side and and that was the pathway to playing your state side because then you did get to travel to the national titles, which was a very big deal because from that they picked the australian side
0: and and that first um, state team that you're part of was it down in adelaide that you it was, then yeah. went to yeah. and so how did um, uh, how did you find that and, and mixing with other other women that are You know, you've played with a very good team, so it probably wasn't that dissimilar, but now that you're playing against the best Uh, of the best... It
1: was awesome. It it truly was. It was um, eye-opening to to see what other talent was really out there. Like, uh, uh, truly, I can't explain that well enough. Um, In the early 80s there, there were some very talented women, and it's a shame that uh, it wasn't like it is now. Yeah. Uh, A real shame. But... Um, in saying that we knew what our place in history would be, but it was awesome to see what talent was out there. Oh yeah, absolutely and it improved my
0: game obviously to have to play against them yeah So you, you part of that state um, state titles I think um, there was a sort of test series in the 80s for the Australian team so did you just miss out in that 1980? State carnival in terms of Australian selection? Uh,
1: what happened, uh, they did pick a, a composite squad. Yep. It uh, was named in that, but um, no funding and, and no opposition. So in that 12-month period, the national side didn't do
0: anything. <laughs> Which is not unusual back um, then. In that era, yeah. Not at all. So you come back and and then you you, you come back and play for two years with Fernhill Soccer Club. Yeah. Um, was there any reasons behind the change after being with a successful team like Bulleye was?
1: Um, two or three reasons. Uh, knew the setup up at Fernhill, knew a lot of people there, liked those people, had been approached by those people. Uh, the competition to me was becoming a little bit one or two sided and yep. if we could stretch it out a little bit well and good, um... There were a couple of other ladies coming on board at Fern Hill who I would be delighted to play with. And and yeah, as I say, more so it was the set up and to try and expand the game a tad.
0: And those uh, two years there, um, what are your main memories of of being at Fern Hill?
1: Uh, Exceptionally good times. Exceptionally, yeah. Played some really, really good soccer with some really good people, but had a really great time. Really great time.
0: And um, sort of uh, going back, uh, and probably shows my lack of interviewing skills, but you know, <laughs> you were a striker, and like you said, an out-and-out striker. And and in one of those games, um, I, I read a newspaper report where you against the Unendera Vulcans, you scored thirteen goals in a fifteen-nil victory. Yeah, you know, that's, um,
1: that's correct.
0: Was every goal uh, an excitement for you, um, like most strikers? Always. Yep.
1: Always. Yeah.
0: So that, that 1981 um, season, um, even though we've spoken about two years at, at Fern Hill, 81 and 82, but that 81 season, um, you then represented New South Wales again and then got selected again um, in the Australian team. Can you talk a bit about that state carnival or, or how you got then selected in, in the Australian team?
1: Okay, yes. Um, well, we've been played for New South Wales in the the national titles Uh, not sure if it was in Sydney that year, can't quite remember Um, and what they do they have a a gala presentation at the end of the titles and uh, the national coach gets up has a spiel, names the squad Um, a squad of 24 I believe initially is selected and then um, you do a couple of camps Mm. and from that the final 18 will be selected And, um, yeah, had the good fortune to be picked in that squad to go to New Zealand. So Uh, was that
0: Jim Selby that was the coach at the time, or who was um, the coach? For the
1: New Zealand tour, I believe it was Trixie Tag. Um, Jim was unavailable for that, but, yeah, the next one to New Mayor, Jim. So
0: when you're at the end of the carnival with the New South Wales team and then you hear your name called out, I guess you'd had that feeling the year before, but from funding reasons, nothing had happened. Uh, this time um what was what was your feeling in your head? I probably still can't describe
1: it yeah um yeah uh, yeah it's it's difficult uh a room full of people, so yeah. uh, i mean you're overwhelmed, of course uh you try and keep it all in check, but um it probably wasn't until I got home to see my mum, dad, you know, yeah. all the kids and uh yeah and my dad, I remember my dad saying to me. At this point in time, somebody thinks you're one of the best 18 players in the country. Do not let them down. That's what he said to me.
0: Wow. Mm. So it must be... Uh, oh, it was massive. Massive. A huge thing. You, you go to some camps and then um, just, I guess, sort of pre-training sort of stuff, you're, you're starting to put on Australian sort of gear, oh you know, um, again goosebumps. Awesome. Oh, oh,
1: completely so. Utterly. Even out on the little training field, you know. A man of the stature of Raul Blanco was there to put us through our paces and show us a few tricks. Oh, it's completely awesome. Overwhelming. Again. Again, you know. You just, uh, yeah, it's really difficult to describe. It's really difficult. um, But you do realise that you are representing Australia. It certainly hits home. It's a very proud thing. Very proud thing.
0: And so Jim... uh Selby who um, uh, people that know the women's game was was the national coach so tell us a bit about Trixie then um, Trixie had played
1: with um, St George in the Sydney league and was a, a more than more than capable midfielder even in her early 30s you know yep. we're, run rings around some of us young ones and, and yeah it was a highly respected woman and, and knew her football and um, yeah it was a a very tactical, but a very encouraging coach. Very encouraging.
0: And so, did she take the team in that that tour to New Zealand? Yes. In '81. Yes. So you played, I think, four games over there that I could find on the internet. Um, uh, the first, uh, I think, might have been your debut against Canterbury. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. So um, even though it's you know uh, they call it a bean, a national, recall but it like it was yesterday so tell tell us about that first game uh, you're playing against Canterbury um, uh, is it are you in the Australian gold or is it the Australian green, Were you in the home or away type uh, strip I believe we were in the green yep
1: um, again can remember coming out onto the pitch and yeah being overwhelmed yep. overwhelmed with the the mere fact that, that you had um, this shirt on that had our coat of arms on it yep. it's yeah, it's yeah. You can't describe it truly. It's uh, but I, I can remember the rest of the girls, the the looks on their faces and and the smiles and yeah, it was
0: yeah, it was awesome, completely
1: awesome. It's
0: uh, you know. Because in those yeah. um, first couple of years, I think it might have been either seventy eight or or seventy nine when the first Australian women's team pl- had played. So these were, I guess, early days where. Um, a lot of people are debuting, yeah. and a lot of people are, are making their mark. So, um, you know, the term pioneer or tra- trailblazer is 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 very good at describing what oh, it, what absolutely. was happening.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's history now, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I'll oh, completely say so. we we understood that that we were the first to be doing these sorts of things, and I mean, obviously, not a huge amount of opposition. You know, we played yep. sort of New Zealand and. Played a couple of little things in Newmere and whatever. But um, the mere fact that it was actually happening augured well for the future.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: You then, um, I think, played Otago and Waikato and then you played your first A International in in October um, 81 against New Zealand and it was a 2-1 win. Um, What do you remember of that game?
1: Um, Hearing the national anthem play. And we had a tiny little pin that we were to give the New Zealand side and I'd squeezed mine so hard I'd made my hand bleed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember being overwhelmed probably for the first 10 or 15 minutes. It took me a long time to settle down. Yeah. We were playing
0: in an international. It was yeah, overwhelming. And was uh, the sort of formation that you were playing in, were you playing as a lone striker or was it too up front? Or? Too up front at that stage, yeah. Yeah, on the right side
1: predominantly,
0: but we were to, you know, manoeuvre. And in that first tour of uh, New Zealand there, where you had that one um, A-friendly against New Zealand as well, who who were some of the other players or, well, I guess back then it wasn't, you weren't called a Matilda, um, it was just the Australian women's team. Australian women's, yeah. So who were some of the Australian uh, women's players that you represented, you were with playing with those games? Um,
1: Kim Lambrick. Uh, Julie Dolan, <coughs> excuse me. Um, oh, good lord, there's plenty of others that you're yeah, thinking of. Names. Sandra Brentnell, uh, Leah Wright yep. from Newcastle, great player, Lou. Uh, Renee Azareth, another great player, quality player. Um whiz, you know. Off the top of my head, it's difficult, but yeah. you know.
0: Well, there's, well, we all know about Julie Dolan. Um, you know, a, a fantastic well, player and, and very good reasons why that girl's admired as she is. Yeah. So you come back from that eighty-one um, tour, and it wasn't ba- until eighty-three that you then um, went to New meal like you said, uh, playing that uh, Oceania Cup. So in the meantime, you you come back and, and you then went from Fernhill to Shell Harbour again. Was it just a you wanted another change of scenery or No, again had
1: been approached by yep. quite an innovative man who who wanted to promote women's football and, and wanted to have a woman's coach in position at Shill Harbour.
0: Okay, so that one there it was a, a playing coaching position yes. that you yep. took on. Yeah. And so who was that was that gentleman?
1: Uh Derek Bradburn. And okay. he'd had a lot to do with the Shell Harbour Club itself and he had coached the girls in second division the year prior. Yep. And um They'd been brought up to first division, yes.
0: Yeah. So was that your first introduction as a coach? Yes. And so how did you find that? Obviously you wanted it because you took the role. Yes. Um, and saw it as a challenge. So uh, what attracted you to coaching and playing?
1: Predominantly because the girls were so young, yeah. but showed a lot of promise. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, The promise they showed was, was yeah, worth doing
0: it. And do you think, um, being uh, probably the only person, maybe not in the state setup, up, but in the Australian setup up from the Illawarra, that um, the Shell Harbour women that you were playing with got a real buzz out of playing with you and, and maybe the rest of the competition had something to aspire to then to say, well, look, Julie's done it. If, yeah. we, if we work hard, we're a chance.
1: Would like to think so. Yep. Would like to think it had I guess that, you don't know what other people No, thinking, absolutely. But I mean, and it was early days again, but would like to think it had that rub on effect. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then yeah, you spent one season there and then uh, moved up to Newcastle, which is another, I guess, historic hotbed of soccer slash football mm-hmm. in New South Wales and Australia. And so you, you took a, uh, you moved up there to play with Charlestown Hotspur. Mm-hmm. What brought about that change? Um, A complete change.
1: Just wanted a complete change. Yep. Um, I had a job opportunity there, so I took that. And, yeah, again, as you say, a hotbed of soccer. And the women's competition there was the strongest I'd seen.
0: And um, the club itself, Charlestown, was that because you lived nearby or because someone else had...
1: No, because we lived nearby, yeah.
0: And, again, you took on the player coaching role and... Was that something that y- you were there for three years? Is that something that you enjoyed? Yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah. Very good times there. Eh? Uh, again, uh, talented women. A good setup. Yep. Um, got to coach the Macquarie rep side, yep. and um, yeah, it was um, yeah very successful times. Yeah, very successful.
0: And in '83, you then um, before you took on. Um, the likes of New Zealand, New Caledonia, and, and Fiji in the Oceania Cup in '83. There was earlier on in the year there was a tour to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, that sounds pretty good to me. That was a holiday.
1: It was look, it was uh, the Hawaiian Football Association were trying to promote their yep. World League and uh, whatnot, and yeah, we we got an invite and took it up, and so
0: um, uh, yes, it was nice. So it was a bit more of a holiday. It was quite relaxed, let's put it that way. You you took, um, I think you did only, I think there was a 1-0 loss. Um, Maybe uh, too much uh, recreation was done. Yeah, yeah,
1: too much Waikiki Beach.
0: But was it um, still, I guess, you're representing your country, but um, did you ever imagine, you know, in the early stages of 1970s when you were playing with the boys... The rule that you'd then be in Hawaii, never with the best women's soccer players in Australia. Mm-hmm. You know, having a bit of a holiday, but sort of getting some time in no, camp. Un-
1: unimaginable, unimaginable. You know, like uh, yeah, that was. Um, yeah, I do recall being on
0: Waikiki Beach and
1: and <laughs> thinking exactly that. Wow, this is a bit good.
0: <laughs> and it was later on in that year in '83, uh, um, November December that you then played in that Oceania Cup in uh, Numea. Um, what are your memories of, of those four games? Um, decidedly hot. Uh, tough.
1: Tough games, from what I recall.
0: Yeah. Because I think there was a New Zealand, which was you and New Zealand with the two stronger teams, and then you had easy wins again. You had a draw with them. But... Um, beat New Caledonia uh, thrashed Fiji Um, that New Caledonia game where you'd won 5-0 was that your first um, goal for Australia?
1: No I'd actually scored in New Zealand in the game against New Zealand
0: Okay, and so my apologies there let's go back to that, that game then so was it as a striker that's your job um Huge, huge feeling when huge. when the ball hit the onion
1: bag. Absolutely huge, Travis. It's still one of the best goals I've scored, in my humble opinion.
0: So, uh, talk us through it, sort of uh, Les Murray style, if you, if you, <laughs> uh, how how it came to be. It was a classic team goal. Yep.
1: Classic team goal. Keeper rolls the ball out to left fullback and come yep. down the left hand side. Uh, in sense and purposes, left winger crosses in. I take the ball on the edge of the box, on the fly, on the right foot, hits the back of the net. Thank you. Well, uh, <laughs> it was lovely. It, it, it was one of those dream goals, dream
0: team goals. Yeah. Yeah, those ones are very special. When, yeah. when you know there's three or four teammates that uh, mind are. Mind you, I, ha- I have
1: some horrific miss memories too <laughs>
0: that, that could rank alongside that. <laughs> Yeah, we've scored a lot more than, than the majority of us in, in in soccer, that's for sure. So that, that uh, Oceania Cup, though, um, regardless of um, what type of football it is or what people may think, the games were separated by... It was 28th of uh, November, 30th of November, 2nd of um, December and 4th of December. So you're playing every two days, and these are full-on internationals in like you said um pretty hot conditions yeah, so um really hot. there wasn't much uh you know you i guess the uh tra- P- the tra- PFA trained. would have been up in arms these days if that happened. Oh,
1: absolutely uh, we trained uh, at 7am in the morning because of the oppressive heat on the day off
0: <laughs> mm. yeah I, I when i was looking through um the games and then saw the dates i thought jeez that's that's horrendous so did it, did it take a toll coming into that sort of fourth game where I guess it was the same for New Zealand as well? But oh, it was the same for
1: everybody, yeah.
0: But it would have been uh, hard on all the players.
1: Oh, it was, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, again, we're young, fit women, so, you know, and we could go for a swim and
0: whatever. You know. So you lost that final to New Zealand 3-2. Uh-huh.
1: Now, here's where we talk about the horrific memory for misses. <laughs> mm, I had the opportunity to win the match in yeah. real time and uh, had sent the keeper the wrong way and then managed to get a bad bobble and put it over the bar. And
0: and we're talking, what, five, mi- six
1: yards out? or uh, Oh, six at the outside. And I guess that was with about five minutes to go. I'm sure it's in print somewhere. <laughs> um, and I think we then had the misfortune of scoring an own goal for New Zealand to win, yeah. In,
0: in extra time. In extra time.
1: <laughs> so double whammy.
0: You come back from there and then um, is it still, I guess, the game itself uh, from the, from a women's perspective had been gathering some, ma- some momentum. You know, you're going on a tour to Hawaii. Um, I guess the state carnivals had been the norm for a little while as well. Yep. Um, and now um, the team, you know, you'd, you'd racked up, well, let me count it here, probably one, two, three, four, five, six... 14 games in Australian colours A and B in nationals. It, did you feel a sort of momentum as a, a sort of a, as a playing group that something was happening uh, slowly but surely? Uh, when the
1: China tour came about, I would think that's when everybody felt, wow, you know, this has been a few years now and people are getting consistent, on board more and consistent more. Consistent games,
0: yes. So w- was there an element though um, in going to? New Zealand, uh, New Hawaii, and then we'll talk about um, eighty four in the Xi'an. And my apologies for our Chinese listeners that I don't pronounce it right. The women's tournament there, but was there an element of self funding to get to these places, or was oh, that always? F- yes, yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, always. Um, uh, the good old you know raffles and yep. you know um, tape the blanket around, and yeah, all sorts of funding had to go into it. A- a-
0: and did that mainly happen? I guess in that sort of 83 period, you're up in, in the Macquarie there playing for Charlestown Hotspur. Was it more the local community and your club yeah. helped you out? Yes,
1: very much so, very much so. And the the rep area itself, if we had yep. three or four from Macquarie or Illawarra, they would all jump on board. And I must say, men's associations have been a big help in that. I've been very lucky, Travis, with the, the local community support. So although,
0: although not ideal, it, it must... Um, like you mentioned before and I said you're humble but you are speaking the truth to to a certain extent that when you have things like this that have to be self-funded that the community men and women the soccer community got involved and, oh, and absolutely. got into their pockets yep. and yep. and helped the women represent their country yes
1: yes and that's the way it had to happen there was uh, government funding was very limited yep and that obviously was split between the entire squad and all traveling officials you know, so um, a very limited amount. So I, I think the New Zealand tour, I had to come up with $300. And Which is a uh, bit of money back then. A lot of money back then. And unfortunately, Mr. Keith Nolan from Thoreau Lease Club signed a cheque
0: yeah. for that amount of money for me. And Keith was synonymous with racing. Yeah. Um, yeah. At, at Kembla Grange and whatnot, and, and a great man from all reports. So I guess your Thoreau connection uh, was very yeah. beneficial. Absolutely. And I guess, um, in a sense, people don't um, um, help other people out unless they see value in it or or like that person. So it must have sort of helped the self-esteem as well, thinking, "Wow, I've got all these these people behind me." Oh,
1: enormously, me. and they always have been, Travis. So uh, truly, as I say, I utterly appreciate that. And that, they, but still, to this day, plenty of them will you know say to me things about it, and you know, it's lovely. It really is lovely.
0: Yeah. You go, um, you're still in, in um, Newcastle at Charlestown in, in 84 and you, you've got this uh, China sort of tournament, the Ziyan Women's Tournament. Um, again, how did that come about and um, what were your thoughts? You know, you've you'd been to some uh, pretty cool places like Numea and uh, Hawaii and, and now you're going to China. What were your thoughts? You must have been, I guess, proud that you're representing your country again, but what were your thoughts on going to China?
1: I uh, was absolutely stoked. Yep. could not believe I was going to that part of the world, and that country in particular, which was uh, quite closed to yeah, the rest definitely. of the world in that time. Yeah, we actually carried a, a letter of introduction on our person um, from Bob Hawke, who was the Prime Minister at the time, just in case we got lost in the street, street or just whatever. In case. Yeah, absolutely. It had to be carried, yeah. Wow.
0: Good old Hawkey. <laughs> so... You played, a, a, I guess, a mix of teams there, and um, Tianjin, um, the Dallas Sting, mm-hmm. um, which was a, a club that I hadn't heard of, um, uh, Shanji, but you then did play a, a I guess, a, a friendly full international against Japan, so there was a mix of teams there. Um, what are your memories of that tournament? Um, the
1: fact that the soccer had improved, yes, absolutely. Um and in that part of the world, we hadn't seen a lot of it, but they were all very keen and very organised, uh, and they were going ahead. So we knew in that part of the world the women's game was going to move forward, a- and they were quite talented. Um, again, the Japanese, being the Japanese, you know, they have improved enormously since those early days. Yep. Enormously, um, yeah, but so too of Australia. But. Um, well organized, I must say, so we knew then that the momentum really was happening with the women's game worldwide.
0: and did the team itself sort of um, prior to going um, after a, you'd been in three tours where you know was there a sort of gelling of people, maybe there was um, women that had come in and out, but was there a sort of camaraderie there and, and, and you guys had been gelling as a team? Yeah
1: absolutely. Absolutely, um, there had been a, a nucleus of players, yep. um, but all the newcomers each time um, felt totally welcome, and, and the atmosphere was terrific, really terrific, yeah, we um representing Australia and, and that was understood, and, and to this day a lot of us, a lot of us are still in contact and, and friends and, and appreciate the honour.
0: Well that's what comes about in, in the people that I've interviewed so far, is that um, sport, um, just like life, uh, when you play together, um, there's those sort of special friendships that oh, develop. And I guess travelling to different countries um, and, and new experiences uh, yeah forms and greater only, bonds. We're, we're, we're only
1: young, young women ourselves, you know. Like it was, it was.
0: So it was ins- educational as oh, well. Oh, it was
1: yeah, educational. but Overall, inspiring, inspiring,
0: yeah. And um, was Trixie still uh, the coach slash manager then? Uh, now,
1: gee, I believe Trixie was in in China. Yeah. Uh, um, Jim. Yeah, Jim Selby was the coach then. Yeah.
0: Um. And what was Jim like as a as a coach, or in those sort of national team setup? Is it more of just creating the right environment because the talents there or the tactics and that are still
1: um, tactically he was very sound very yep. sound um, and understood women in football yep. was married to a, a, a lady that had played in the national side Connie and was a great player um, but understood the nature of women in football but tactically he was very good and a very, um, very easy going man you know yep. there was never any angst or uh, anger or Anything like that, um, you know, you could have monumental mistakes made, but um, it was all good with Jim. He was that very okay. It's okay, and and we did get better under his tutelage. Absolutely,
0: you ended up, uh, and I think there was sort of two groups in that um, in that tournament, and I think uh, the Italians and I forget who else were on on the other side. Um, did you get to? see the Italian team play in that tournament? Yeah. And that was probably, um, although you didn't play um, against a European team, uh, what was their standard like at the time?
1: Um, polished compared to ours, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, it was that. Typically
1: Italian football, yeah. um, typically, but uh, their understanding of the game was so much better than ours, yeah. Yeah, The, the, the movement off the ball was brilliant,
0: yeah. So, uh, like you said, you know, you're not just, I guess, educating yourself about maybe a bit of Chinese culture, um, you're seeing, mm. seeing other teams, and I guess the, uh, the Dallas Sting as well, um, I'm not too sure of how that, that team came about, but you lost to them in the final, so even playing yeah. against them.
1: A lot of those went on to be American team players, and, yep. and US soccer was, was booming at that time, it was really starting to boom, and they had some quality players.
0: Because they had beaten the Italians, so yeah. they must have been a, ah, a decent they, team. They had
1: some outstanding players. Yeah.
0: So I guess um, uh, looking at results on paper, you think, well, the Australian team lost to Dallas Sting. You think, geez, that's not great. But no. when you put it For into all context
1: and purposes, it was an American th- side. Yeah.
0: You come out of um, that eighty four season um, and then continue to play 85-86 in 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 Charlestown. Um, what are your sort of remaining memories of of that um time at Charles down there winning the competition yeah
1: we 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 finally did that and um actually, I was injured and couldn't play in the grand final, but the girls were superb and winning the competition for them was great, you know like um, watching them celebrate because it it was a good competition, the newcastle competition and and, and watching them celebrate was yeah, it was a yeah a good memory.
0: And w- and what about yourself? Was that one of the or it had happened a couple of times before? But was that the first time well, where you couldn't play in a big match as a player coach? Yeah. So w- yeah, was it a bit of a different feeling for you? It you was couldn't uh, involve yourself or change
1: things. It was a really different feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But in saying that, I had utter faith in these girls, and uh, and they were smart enough. They were smart enough and they proved to be on paper, we shouldn't have won the match, yeah, but we did.
0: yeah. So that's all due credit to them. Sort of 86 to 90, you didn't have a couple of years off. You were playing coach at Wanoona yeah. in between travelling and whatnot. So um, uh, again, a, a, an offer from Wanoona when you were sort of come back to the area yeah, that, that um, you took them in those uh, from 86 uh, to 90? Well, a lady
1: asked me one afternoon to... Friend of the, you know, yeah. mine, and and asked me to fill in what I'd done. Went to the president of the club with it, and he said, "Get this woman." <laughs> so, <laughs> so, that's how that came about. Yeah.
0: And and what are your memories of, of those four years from eighty six to ninety at at Winoona? And again, obviously that um, you obviously had a hunger to coach as well because you'll play a coach again.
1: Again, yeah. Um, the coaching aspect, yeah, I've um, always enjoyed. Always yep. enjoyed. Um, we lost a grand final there, which I wasn't real pleased about. But, yep. you know, uh, we shouldn't have. But um, we had a big turnover. We had two teams which had built the club up, which was great. And they're now one of the biggest yeah. women's going, So, which is great. Um, probably that more so than anything that I think in that time a lot of young girls realised that they could actually play. And I think then they started to think about younger women's divisions and yes so so it was a yeah um it was a telling time in that regard for women's soccer
0: and so then you you had um some like you said some time in between that and then going to oak flats uh, you know looking after your parents traveling yep. and whatnot um you know the potted history that you gave me you you didn't didn't then play for three three odd years um what did you do with yourself? I did a lot of travelling, just yep.
1: moved around quite a bit and did what I wanted to do for a little while. Yep. And when I eventually came back to Wollongong, um, both of my parents were, were quite ill or yep. verging on that. So I spent time looking after them, basically. And a caring
0: yeah. role. Yeah. So for you, um, you know, family's important, but in terms of that travel... Um, obviously you'd got a taste for it with the Australian team, but did you know um, having those two or three years off meant that you probably uh, were letting go of your Australian team sort of aspirations? Yeah. And you were were fine Um, with that?
1: uh, Not totally fine, but I can recall at the time there was a lot of uproar within the New South Wales soccer side of things. You know, there was lots of... A lot of personal stuff going on that should not have been brought on board, and, and you know, I've got no time for that, so I, um, I uh, yeah, didn't want to be involved with it. Basically. So, the sort
0: of politics of soccer, oh, factional
1: infighting, yeah. and
0: yeah, which happens, yeah, every, yeah, right? yeah, it does, yeah. But that sort of just bored you, so you thought, well, let's travel, well, yeah. You know, I
1: didn't want to, you know, and um, a couple of big names had also pulled the pin on that as well, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, Julie Dolan, Macker, and. Rose Van Brunessen, uh had not played in the state titles, purely out of that. So, you know, it It was really unfortunate. Soccer went into a little bit of a hiatus for me and yeah. for the, the state itself, but when they did come back, they came back because they uh, got settled.
0: And when you uh, look back on it now, um, do you still see it as the right decision to, A, travel, and then, or do you think maybe I could have got another 10, 15... 20 caps under my belt or it oh, wasn't about
1: that? Uh, uh, Travis could could quite possibly have done that uh, in hindsight yeah, yeah for sure but um, as I say the the, the honour of representing your country it could be a one off yeah and, it's and, and, and the, joy, the joy would still be the same I mean obviously I got very lucky very very lucky in the early days there was we had no funding we had no sponsorships um, the night before we went to New Zealand they gave us a pair of joggers and that was Oh, huge. Huge. (laughs) So we thought we were very special. But, you know, yes, I I, I do realise I probably could have um, attained a few more caps, but nonetheless, to be part of what I was is is more than satisfying.
0: Oak Flats, uh, you'd been down there in terms of Shell Harbour. um. Oak Flats was
1: um, a favour to some old friends of mine. Yep. Um... And another lady by the name of Julie McGuffey was going there to play, and Julie and I had always been listed as, as rivals right in the um, local competition pages of yep. the Mercury, you know, which we were. Um, so it was most amusing that we both were going to team up and look out and whatever. And as a favor to um, Mrs. Dot Stevenson, who's an old old. Supporter of women's big, soccer big in, in in yes, absolutely, one of the, one of the pioneers. And, uh, yeah, that's how that came about. And, and we did win the competition, and I was delighted to do that for Oak Flats.
0: And that was in the early 90s or mid-90s? Yeah, right I there? think, I, I
1: can't be sure, Travis, to be quite honest. Yeah. Um, we were playing rep soccer again in those years.
0: Yeah, I, I saw uh, one of the articles that you did send me. Um, there was a an Illawarra team as part of a women's state league, yeah. a, a 9 competition. Yeah, yeah. That must have been a, a, a big, I guess, honour to be representing your region, even though you'd represented South Coast in an organised sort of not like a tournament yes. competition.
1: Yes, it was. And we were fortunate that we still had a lot of the older girls around who were good players. And, and we were more than handy in that competition. Um, and that was in
0: the 90s, was it? That it you were... was in
1: the 90s. Now, yeah. I can't remember if it was first tier or t- second tier. Yep. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think we made the semi-finals and... I was actually named the State League Player of the Year that year from oh, wow. the second division. So that tells you something about how good this team was. And, and being from the Illawarra, it was terribly difficult to get recognised on the big stage. Yeah, definitely. Because you had to be available at their events, at their yeah. venues, and, you know, it was
0: terribly difficult. So a bit of geographic
1: bias there, right? Oh, absolutely, Travis, yeah. It existed a lot,
0: yeah. When... Um you're playing in that state league. It, it must have been um, an honour for for the women that taking part because it wasn't just a one-off tournament like South Coast playing against other regions to form a New South Wales team. This was sort of week in, week out, mm-hmm. travelling mm-hmm. every second yeah. week, yeah. predominantly in Sydney. Yeah. So. Um,
1: oh, the girls loved it. Loved it. Yeah, truly, it was. It was an honour. It really was. Um, being from the Illawarra to do that. Yeah. Do you think that,
0: um, like you said. Women's game probably mid to late 80s sort of went off the boil a little bit, and then came back in the 90s. Did you think that state league obviously had part of something to do with that, and then sort yeah. of laid the foundations for yeah. sort of the late 90s, 2000s, and what we have now?
1: Absolutely. It was in that time, I believe the Wollongong Wolves were, you know, in the late 80s and at their peak, and and they'd taken on board a women's side. Yeah. Um, and so it went from there and then they became the stingrays and and it, it snowballed uh, rob mckay and, and those sorts of people have been huge for the game
0: when you um again uh, i think you're um when you're a striker it's quite easy to score goals when you're good like yourself but <laughs> you know yourself there's there's other people that have got to get it to you there first. Yes, oh, absolutely. you must have an immense amount of ability to do what you did, but you're right, to to win that, I guess, second division State League Player of the Year <laughs> above a better division as well, that must have been, you know, a great feeling uh, amongst the team to, you know, even though it's an individual award, it was a team award in a oh, sense. Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. And, and I do sincerely hope that they all still you know, remember that, because it was. I mean, uh, the president of our association at the time and the secretary took me to the presentation at the Marconi Club. We were absolutely stoked. I had no idea until I got to the presentation and they called out my name, but everybody else, all and sundry, did know. And Bob Carr was the premier at the time, and, yes, had a black tie sort of thing.
0: Um, That state league uh, team... um, can you think of a few names um, uh, of players that were in that team um, when you played in those years? That sort of come to mind.
1: Oh, again, it would be uh, Julie McGuffey uh, Lisa Risdale, who's now Lisa McDonald, um, yeah, Sharon Smith, Jenny Shaw, uh, Lorraine Chilcott, Janet Pengelly again, Annette Gallagher, um, Sue Reid Stevenson. All excellent players, truly. And, it,
0: and in terms of um, sort of a, a rough sketch of where they played, what, what positions were people in? Obviously, yourself at striker. where did some of these other women play? Uh, uh,
1: Julie McGuffey played out on the right-hand side, up front or in the midfield, really quick on a feed. Jenny Shaw was one of the best midfielders I've seen, bar none. Yep. Um, yeah, commanded and controlled the park. Absolutely. It made me look good, in fact. Jenny Shaw did, a lot of the time. Um, Janet Pengelly was an excellent goalkeeper. So was Annette Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Um, before their time, actually, both of them, in my humble opinion. Um, uh, gee, Lorraine Chilcott was probably one of the hardest stoppers I had the privilege to play against and with,
0: um, you always need hard players in the team. Oh, don't you? Absolutely,
1: she, she lifted my game—that's for sure—and everyone will say that. And, and she loved playing against me, which is great. I love it. So, um, but yeah, each of those girls. I mean, again,
0: a hugely talented side. And was it fascinating um, for, for the women who would have been maybe opponents before coming together as a group? Was that a bit, um, uh, that was a bit interesting. bizarre initially? Uh, yes, it was. Because there would have been, would have been imagine, club rivalries. Yes,
1: and being women, you know, particularly Barbie about things. Um, it was interesting, but the banter was always good natured. Yeah. And once we were together on that team, we were that team. Yeah. Which, again, uh, the attitude and the abilities of some of these women was astounding for the era, really. Really, they, they were as talented as I may have been or,
0: yeah, true. And and who was the uh, coach slash manager of that team?
1: That would be Mr. Max Shaw.
0: Yep, and you'd had interaction with him at Bulleye Yeah, in, in that uh, late 70s, early 80s? Yeah,
1: um, Max, probably more than anybody, um, he personally would drive me to state training at St. Leonard's every Sunday morning and bring me home and... Um, he, more than anybody, individually is responsible for, for my representation of Australia. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So you must feel um, honoured to be involved with people that, you know, could see something in you and then physically, whether it be time, money, yeah. petrol, whatever, and, oh, yeah. and to drive you... A- absolutely, and, and give up their time, yeah. for your um, for your ambitions. It must be a privilege. Understood
1: it. I understood it completely, and, and yeah, absolute, absolute privilege.
0: You come out of um, the nineties there and into the two thousands. You were um, a player, coach again at Russellville, or, or uh, no, just 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 playing, just playing, just socially. And so, how did you uh, find not coaching and just sort of? You had a couple of years off, and
1: uh, that was fine. I um I didn't need that mental aspect of it at that stage. Yep. It was a very social event. Yep. I was just going to have a little kick and a giggle, as they say. But yep. Um. It turned into something a little bit more than that, and we went quite well.
0: <laughs> and um, you were playing at Corley Vale. It was it yep. was the home ground? Yep. Um. And then, you know, like you said, it was initially social, but um, was it just the team was pretty good or a or um, bit of white wine fever or?
1: Well, yeah, I
0: mean, I'd known
1: John for a very long time, him and his wife, that's a coach and, and his wife and, um, yeah, I actually got, uh, what do you say, I became a bit excited about how these girls had reacted to me. Okay. I mean, that's, and not to be big headed about that, know. but they had lifted enormously so I thought, oh, best I'd. Pick it up a little bit Better too. not so just they, kick and giggle. So yeah. they came with us, which was great, you know. And, yeah, we ended up making a grand final and we lost that one. But never mind, never mind. Um, they were delighted to have made the grand final,
0: you know. And what about um, yourself um, from a physical perspective? You're in your early 40s at that <laughs> stage. Um, had the, the rigours of international yeah. and state competition over you know two decades caught up a little bit um the fact that i had not maintained a lot of fitness was what
1: was catching up (laughs) um no the you know the rigors of the game remained the same um i fortunately was never really awfully injured where i required surgery or anything like that which was great a lot of natural uh, physical sort of fitness but um yeah there were plenty of sunday afternoons where i was a a little bit sore after after venturing out. And yeah. tough, tough Mondays. Tough Monday. <laughs> a lot of limping Mondays,
0: yes. What, um, if you um, had to sort of describe your game, um, you know, as a striker, um, how would you describe <coughs> it? What was your sort of main strengths as a, as a striker and how you played the game?
1: Uh... Most would say uncompromising. Yep. Um, Pace and power. Yep. Yeah.
0: And do you think those, um, do you think that was just always in you in terms of that determination? Like, I'm going to get physical here and not just use my skill. I'm going to put myself about, or if it was or, necessary, or did you develop that over the years, or you'd always uh, had that?
1: I think I'd always had that. You know, yep. growing up with the, with the boys, um, you learn to take a few knocks and a few rolls, and um, uh, fortunately, being as short as I am, very good centre of gravity, so yep. it was hard to knock off the ball quite naturally. Anyway, you know, but um, you know, if I had to step it up a bit physically, well,
0: we could do that. Yeah, you know. and. And after Russell, what else have you been doing? Retired gracefully. (laughs) Um,
1: Coaching. um, After Russell, I had quite a bit of time off, um, and it was only through running into an old-time friend, and her daughter was um, at the time playing for Coromandel, I believe, and young girl, nineteen or so. and then they were moving up to Tarawana and and she asked if I'd be interested in being the
0: coach and I think that was about five years ago so that's what I've been doing since And so how have you found um, Tarawana in my opinion um, from the people that I know they're a very, very, very great club in terms of the nice people there the people that are involved, how it's organised so have you found it very good there as well? Absolutely
1: They are um, such an all-inclusive club and everybody's treated like family uh, and some of the new women we've had come on board have said exactly that you come here and you become family so it's brilliant they, they've always maintained that tara um, and they've uh, huge supporters of women's football for a long time uh, i think 79 they had yeah. their first women's side yeah
0: what about yourself in terms of uh, coaching now you um, still enjoy it or or there's just a Sort of, yeah, well, it's been a very,
1: it's been a very social exercise at Tarawana up yep. to this point, but as of this season, um, Dave Curley's on board, and Dave's a very, very nice man. He's a lovely man, Dave, a classic man, and he's bought over a few under twenty ones from Bagani yep. there, and so we're going to get our heads together and see what we can do with that, and um, you know, there's a, an open women's side as well. So again, Tarawana are trying to. You know, promote the women's football, and I'm delighted that they now have a 21 side. Yeah,
0: yeah. If we go back to um, Australian women's representation there and representing your country um, back in 2017, because it wasn't, I guess, the done thing at the time, um, you uh, received your uh, Australian cap, um, which must have been a huge honour at a Stingrays game. Do you yeah. want to talk a bit about that and? And what that day was like for you? Uh, That day will be, um,
1: uh, yeah, one of the most memorable days of my life. Uh, Again, the honour, it just keeps giving. And Rob Mackay had chased me around for 18 months trying (laughs) to track me down to get me there to get this to happen and, and you know, I can't thank him enough and the the fact that Football Federation Australia decided to do that a huge honour, uh, but that day and and the Stingrays and Coniston and all the people there, um, as I say, one of the hugely memorable moments of my life, and and to have a baggy green in my possession is is an honour like you cannot describe. It's uh, yeah something else.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's not 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 just it uh, is uh, the Australian. Else, yeah. Men's or women's cricket teams that have a baggy green, um, or the uh, um, Australian women's and men's players. Oh, it's, it's past a really, it's a really nice thing to
1: do, you know, for for your Australian representatives. I think it's a great thing. Yeah, yeah, nice memento.
0: Because I think you're either, um, I think I saw two numbers. You're either Matilda number nineteen or number twenty.
1: I have no idea which is the truer of the two. We'll lean towards <laughs> twenty,
0: but I have no idea. So there wasn't um, any chance of sort of getting a. Um, I think Michael Slater um, famously uh, got a tattoo of three fifty six, and he was three fifty seven. Yes, yes, so you I didn't. didn't story, you, you didn't yeah. get number nineteen in the biggies. No, think, I, bu- I, I believe 20. it's
1: twenty. No, I don't have a tattoo or piercing <laughs>
0: anything. You <know. laughs> when um, you now look over your career, even though it's still going in terms of of coaching at Tarawana, uh, is there? Um, is there something you look back on even though you've probably enjoyed it all where you go you know I was at my best at this period or you know um, I enjoyed um, I had a great run of form or is there something you really look when you first think of your your playing career that you go hey that, that was it that was when I when I loved it
1: uh, I can't pinpoint anything I mean yeah. I all of my playing days yep absolutely enjoyed every single one of them yeah uh of course there's there's special moments of course but um no each and every game be it at at club level state level national level all have the same meaning and and significance you know yeah
0: yeah absolutely and you spoke about before that um even amongst the australian girls Australian women and, and, and New South Wales women, that you've still got a lot of friendships out there. Yep. So that must be quite pleasing that you could, I guess, either locally here or or if you venture elsewhere around the state or Australia, that you could, I guess, stay at someone's place and, and be quite comfortable that you've got you so many, many friends. And
1: it's like yesterday. Uh, absolutely sensational. Um, and this is 35 years later, yep. you know, and, and yeah, not not an issue uh the bond of having been in that side um be a lifetime thing
0: and and your family um they must be super proud and family and friends that what you've achieved in the game they are because uh, uh, apart from people like max shaw and and others that have helped you enormously i'm assuming that they would have been a great source of support absolutely for a, for a lot of things as the, well
1: the, the local for community that I grew up in uh, sensational uh, truly uh, and their support now is the same as what it was then you know, when, the, uh, when the cat presentation all broke on yep. social media um, it was amazing to me the comment and the reflection and the, uh, they want me to write a book the locals
0: but that um, no,
1: might be a a, a tad honest.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I think in the, the last uh, 65, 70 minutes that I've talked to you, I, I'd love to read it. You yeah. uh, you look to the future. Um, do you always see yourself involved in some shape or form in the game or, or do you see yourself at some point just sitting back here in the lounge room and then just watching some... Some W League games and some Matildas games? I would
1: like to think that I will somehow remain involved. Yep. Um, Whilst everyone's physically capable, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I would like to remain involved because I'm delighted to see where the game has gotten to now and I can only see good things on the horizon. People like, you know, you Sam Kerr's and whatever, there are more of those girls out there.
0: Exactly there right. are
1: more Sam Kerrs out there, and we've just got to find them. And now they have the opportunity to have a pathway and be found.
0: Well, I think culturally as well, um, you know, uh, Sam Kerr. I follow her on Instagram. Whereas, say twenty years ago, I guess there wasn't Instagram, but you probably wouldn't if there was, of followed a women's player. And you know, uh, oh, absolutely you not. Know, know. Uh, and um, amongst my boys, we enjoy watching the Socceroos and the Matildas, which yeah. you know. Um, yeah. The TV companies in the last ten years have finally uh, switched on that men and women love watching well, both types yeah, of exactly sports. Right. It doesn't matter well, what the gender is. Well,
1: Lisa Devona famously said, "You know, she she grew up idolising men's players, and that should never have been allowed to happen." Yeah. And under Alan Stadge, they have learnt a lot about the history of the Matildas, which has been great, really
0: great. And and that was. Um one of, uh, like I said, I've never had an international, uh, um, a women's international on this podcast. I've had a Scottish international, um, in Hugh Tinney, um, and so mm. there's a lot of people um in the Illawarra and and yourself first and foremost that have have done huge things. That you know, like you said, Alan has sort of encouraged the current Matilda crop to uh, learn about the history, and the more we talk about um, people like yourself and and others in the sport, well, the more than we respect it and, and we want it to see it go further, isn't it? Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the role models now too and the exposure they have, um, yeah, it, it, we want to see the game become what it truly can be. I think it can be one of the, the biggest games in this country, women's soccer stand-alone. I do. I really do.
0: Yeah, I think it's got a, a very, very healthy shelf life um, and you can see the other sports such as women's NRL and AFD- AFLW wanting to sort of be part of that, that growth yep. as well. When um, there's a lot of um, sporting, I watch a lot of sport, um, my wife doesn't like it too much sometimes, but when um, you see some commentators now and and they, um, they're in a paid position themselves based on their career and they whinge and moan about... What players get these days men and women it, it doesn't seem to me that i um, in this interview you've said it a couple of times you don't mind you you see it as a great thing so it doesn't seem that there's um unlike some of these guys where they get a bit jealous of what people are earning and what they're doing now you're not jealous at all you're very proud of absolutely the sport not, yeah. and and where yep. it's gone and, and what it's yes. becoming
1: yeah the value to me is what it's become yeah absolutely um again we all understood way back when that what our place in the history of the game would be. There would, obviously there was no media on board, yep. there was no sponsorship, we weren't going to get any money, we weren't yep. going to get anything but a pair of joggers. Yep. <laughs> so no, um, not a scary cup of jealousy and I, I think if you spoke to most of the, the women of my yep. era uh, the same thing would be said. Very yep. much so. We understood that uh, we were in that era but are delighted and the value and the payment is in seeing where it is now
0: yeah absolutely well it should probably uh get a bit higher i think and and be a bit better so is there any final thoughts um or or, or something that you want to say uh to end this interview because for me it's been a a great pleasure and um you know your uh, history locally and at a state level and and internationally is huge um is there any, anything else that you want to sort of add? What I would like to say, Travis,
1: it's been a delight to have you here and have you do the work that you're doing to preserve some of this very fine history. Well, uh, it has been my pleasure.
0: Well, I uh, will happily and, and respectfully thank you for having me in your house. Um, I'm, I'm really honoured um, to have someone of your calibre on this podcast. I'm stoked but more so to tell your story, which I think is uh, fantastic. So thanks, Julie. Appreciate your time. No problem. It's been delightful. Thank you. Thanks again to Julie for allowing me into her home and being so articulate, respectful, humble and honest about her journey. I truly appreciate her time and I hope you guys really enjoyed this podcast. Thank you. I'm your host, Travis.